Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Lottie Diel, a sustainability expert with a passion for the planet. But it hasn't always been that way. Four years ago, I made a New Year's resolution that actually stuck. I pledged to do better for the planet. But in practice, it was so much harder than I anticipated. So I've dedicated my life to make living sustainably easy. So easy that there's no reason not to save our planet. So if you're new to sustainability or you just want to learn more, then listen up because together we're going to save our planet. So, Sarah, recycling is so confusing. It's difficult. It's overwhelming. I am technically meant to be a sustainability expert and I still end up getting it wrong. I get to the bin sometimes and I think I'm so doing everything correct and then I look at it and I've actually got it all wrong. So when recycling is so confusing and so difficult, is this just an Australia-wide thing or is it difficult for everybody all around the world? Yeah, I can definitely agree with you there. I'm feeling really confused a lot of the time. Um, And unfortunately, it is everywhere. Um, And I know in Australia, our last Consumer Insights report found that Um, you know, nearly half of Australians feel like they're not recycling properly. So we're not alone in our feeling. Um, And there are some things that make Australia, I guess, different. We have waste export bans that make it really hard for us to find an end market for some of the material at the moment. Um, And we also have a really distributed small population. So not like in Europe, where everyone's really close together, and you can kind of collate all of that waste together and find a home for it. Um, But there are some things that make it universally really hard. And they're the things that I think you and I both know. Um, You know, we've got composite materials where packaging is made out of different materials. um, And it's really hard to separate them. So it means that they can't often be recycled as those different materials. And so a lot of it just ends up going to landfill. Um, there's also this uh, all these innovative materials that come in and that's so awesome that so many people want to redesign and are doing all of these things. But if the business who are sorting the materials don't know what to do with it, then that ends up going to landfill as well. And I guess the thing that we need to remember all all around the world is that a majority of the organizations that are involved in the recycling system, they're private businesses. So the economics of recycling have to make sense if we want recycling to happen. And that's why it's so important that you and I and all of the listeners are looking locally for recycled content and also recyclable material. That's what's really going to help make those economics make sense. Um, But it's not just us. (laughs) And in fact, I think in Australia, we're pretty good. Um, Yeah, but it just, it, it is a little tricky. Definitely. I There's so many different things that I want to talk about just from that little kind of snippet that you've given us there. But I think one thing is a really nice quote that I heard the other day from somebody. 
who I'm not going to remember who, but I'm giving you credit, whoever you are. (laughs) And that is that the actual recycler is the person that is purchasing the product that is made from recycled materials. It's not the person who put the item into the recycling bin because I think we need there to be, it's all about supply and demand recycling. It's recycling is a commodity. We need a really good quality item to go into that recycling bin so it can be turned into another item. So that's why I think when we look at recycling, it needs to be kind of looking at the supermarket shelves and buying that item that's made from recycled materials. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's probably one of the things that people often forget is that recycling isn't just something that you put it in your bin and it goes somewhere else. It has to get turned into something. And if nobody is buying it and there's no demand for recycled content in packaging or in products, then what do we think is happening with our recycled material? So, so yeah, so that's a great quote. I wish we knew who said it. <laughs> So you just mentioned a product that is made from composite materials. So one item that is made from lots of different materials. What is an example of this? Yeah, so there are a few different, very different products that are kind of in that category. So you could have something that's just made out of all different types of plastics. So trays is a really good example of that where to protect the product in Uh, the past, we've often had all different types of plastic in one tray and they all melt at different temperatures. So if you think about that next step of what do you do with that to turn it into something else, you might be heating that plastic up at a certain temperature and some of it melts, some of it burns, um, and then you've kind of ruined your whole lot of plastic that you've collected. And then there's other things with, um, you know, a big one that we're seeing a lot of now as people are transitioning more to fibre products is also having fibre products with some sort of plastic lining on it because that plastic lining protects it from a liquid for example so like That's a coffee really cup yeah so pretty much like a coffee the- cup okay yeah so a coffee cup and when that goes to like a paper mill the paper mill doesn't want the plastic so the plastic has to come off and it goes to landfill. And every time you send something to landfill, it costs money. So that's where you end up with these businesses saying, no, I don't want that material because, like coffee cups. I don't want coffee cups because I'm going to have to pay to get rid of all of this extra stuff in it that the amount of fiber that's actually in there, it's not worth it. It's all business. Everything's a business. And I think that's the way that we need to like reframe. It's almost like, I always say this, I'm like recycling needs like a new PR manager, somebody to come in and give it a bit of a rebranding and a reshuffle because it's not rubbish. Recycling has value, which I'm just going to keep on saying over and over again. So what is the easiest way for for somebody to tell whether something can be recycled or not. Like break it down, so simple. Somebody who's listening to this has never, ever recycled before. How can they tell whether something should be recycled? Yeah, so um, full disclosure, I run the Australasian Recycling Label, if that's not already up front. (laughs) (laughs) But the Australasian Recycling Label or the ARL um, was set up to make recycling really simple. So there are... As we've already kind of alluded to, there are a lot of factors that can make something not recyclable. That could even be like the size or the weight of of a piece of packaging can influence whether that will get sorted correctly and recycled. So the Australasian recycling label is really there to give you um, for every single component of that packaging 
a disposal instruction. So you might see like a bottle and a lid um, on a water bottle, for example. And there are three different logos that are in there. So one is just a recyclable logo. That means that most of us can just put it straight into our home recycling bin and that will go off and get recycled. And then there's this conditionally recyclable logo, which has um, always got an instruction on it. And that instruction could be something like, you know, scrunching your foil into a ball or flattening a cardboard box. It might be taking your soft plastics to a red cycle drop off and um, that label is really there to say this can be recycled, but you need to do an extra step if you want it to get to the right place and for that to actually happen. And I think the really important thing about that logo is that if you're not going to take that step, it's not recyclable. If you're not taking your soft plastics to a red cycle drop-off at the moment, that's the only way that they can get recycled or be recognised through the um, ARL program. And if you're not doing that, it has to go into your rubbish bin. It can't go into your recycle. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And then at home. And then, of course, there's the bin logo. And actually, we found that a lot of consumers love the bin logo. So even though it might be a bit counterintuitive, it actually tells you with certainty, put this in the bin. Do not wish cycle it into your recycling bin. You have to put this bit into the bin. Um, And so that logo is there to kind of take all the complexity out for you guys and for us um, so that you can just look at that and say, yeah, recycle it, take it back to the store or I'm putting it in the bin. I think it's really exciting. Do you get kind of, I don't know, when brands are trying to certify and get the ARL on the back of their products, do you get many who kind of when you say, yep, well, how you would label this one is by putting the bin on it, do you get many kind of saying, oh, well, we don't want to include that then? Yeah, and that, that's been really interesting for from the consumer side. So we do a, that consumer insights report every year and that showed that consumers really want it. Um, I think that we're kind of supported by this national target as well for 80% of supermarket products to have the ARL on it. So there are, um, if you're a supermarket product, there's a big onus on you to actually use the label anyway. But what it really does is um, makes people redesign, which is really cool especially if they're going to be up against their competitors on a supermarket shelf and they have a bin logo and the compu- their competitor has recycled, they want to know what they can do differently to improve, which is actually a great part of the program, but um, definitely there's some hesitation <laughs> when you first get a bin logo. No, I can definitely imagine that from the yeah the businesses side of things. That just kind of really ties in nicely with my next question for you, which is if you're at the supermarket and one item has the ARL on it and say, for example, it's an ice cream container, but then a different brand has the same packaging, but they don't have the ARL on it, is it safe to assume that the same rules apply to like for both items? <laughs> I wish I could say yes to that question. No. <laughs> I know. It's because 
Um, even the ink that a company uses can change whether it can be recycled or not. And because it's so hard to tell as a consumer, even if they look identical, but the branding is different, maybe they've made the label a little bit bigger and then that doesn't become valuable enough to recover anymore. There are all these little factors and that's why that 80% supermarket target is so exciting because it means that 80% of the time when you walk through your supermarket store and pick something up you'll know what to do with the packaging and that is um yeah that should be hopefully fingers crossed there by 2023 in December we'll be seeing 80% of supermarkets reaching that goal and I think a great thing as well is that the major retailers have also all committed to get 100% of their own brand products with the ARL on that so we will hopefully won't have that problem for too long, but I'm so sorry. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Oh, it's just so heartbreaking. It's so hard and it's so difficult because, yeah, it's you want to do the right thing. And that's the thing is I believe, I'm very optimistic about this whole thing, but I do believe that everybody wants to recycle, right? So it yeah. is difficult when you're up against these challenges, which are kind of just completely out of everybody's control apart from the brands that is. So why are we seeing this shift away from using the little kind of uh, on the bottom of a, of an item you might see on a, of a plastic item you might see like a little triangle which people often can confuse with the recycling symbol that has a number in it because I know back in the day we used to always look at the bottom of this or you'd see the different numbers and then councils were kind of saying oh yep yep if it's like one two or this you can pop it in this bin and kind of why are we seeing a shift away from these little triangles yeah, so those little triangles are plastics identification codes. They tell you what the type of plastic is. So it might tell you that it's PET or HDPE, like a milk bottle. Um, and that's what councils, as you say, have kind of used in the past to um, help consumers to recycle. But because there are so many different variations other than just what that plastic is that influence recyclability, it doesn't actually tell you whether it's recyclable or not. It's a really good rule of thumb if you have nothing else. Um, but we are moving away from that so that we can really explain that something is recyclable or not. And one of the reasons that businesses are really shifting is because of the national packaging targets, which is separate to the ARL, but it's um, a 2025 target. So there's four national um, 2025 targets for packaging, but one of them is to have 100% of packaging be recyclable, compostable, or reusable. And businesses are shifting to the ARL over their plastics identification code so that they can show that they're actually working towards and achieving those targets um, because it's not just about plastic. That's across all packaging as well. No, yeah. I think it's great. And I also think something to point out as well with the plastic resin codes is the fact that they aren't actually mandatory for brands. So it was something that it was kind of like an opt-in. You could add a plastic resin identification code to a product, but you didn't have to. So I think it was even between some of the kind of huge big conglomerates, some of them would label it, some of them wouldn't. And then you were kind of stuck in the middle going, I don't even know what's going on and where to put this right now. So I think it is really great that we're kind of getting to those standards and getting to a kind of a level where people are going to be able to, at a glance, quite literally tell whether something can be recycled or not. So, Sarah, finally, 
I want to ask you one question. What is something that's really actionable that something so Sarah, one thing that I finally want to ask you is what is one actionable thing that people can do tomorrow to help save our planet? Yeah, I love this question. <laughs> I think every day we vote for the world that we want to live in uh, through the choices that we make. So when you go out and purchase something that you need to purchase, looking for the labels that show you what a brand is trying to do to create the world that you want to see, including making their packaging easily recyclable. But, you know, if you want to preference vegan products, then there are certifications for vegan labels as well. Looking for those labels that reflect the world that you want to live in and then supporting those brands that are trying to move in that direction, I believe is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Definitely. And I think it comes back to that kind of supply and demand as well. You are showing that as a consumer, we do have the power. If we all go to the local supermarket and we start buying the loose carrots, for example, over the ones in a plastic bag, we're showing that we don't need those ones to be wrapped in plastic anymore. But if we keep on buying those plastic ones, then they're going to keep on producing them because that's what demand is. So I think it's really important and a really easy thing that people can do. Um, It might take you a little bit longer, your grocery shop, but it will make a really big difference. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. It has been such a pleasure learning more about recycling. I always learn something new in our discussions. If you've enjoyed this episode, then make sure that you are following us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wherever you have listened to it so that you don't miss out on a thing. And if you could rate us while you are at it, that would help us greatly reach more people and help to save our planet. 